Hello and welcome to another podcast. My name is Angelica and our topic today is our inner critic voice. So let me ask you if any of the following situations sound familiar to you. Situation number one, Peter's girlfriend broke up with him and there's this voice in his head which is saying, you are such a loser. You're 35 already and you're still single. All your friends have beautiful wives and children, but you are just too screwed up to make a relationship work. I can tell you exactly what's wrong with you and why this relationship didn't work out. And the voice goes on and on. What it doesn't say is that there are two people in a relationship and that whatever childhood wounds we have, we can work on loving ourselves and on improving our relationship skills no matter how screwed up we are. Scene number two. Jane is stepping on the bathroom scales and her weight has gone up another four pounds. And her voice says, You are such a failure. You're getting fatter and fatter. Look at all your colleagues at work and your girlfriends. They're all slim and attractive. And her voice also goes on and on and on. What the voice doesn't say is that Jane is beautiful and smart and Jane can be proud of herself for working out more lately and increasing her energy level. Scene number three. Frank just got laid off from work and his voice is saying, You are the biggest failure ever. How could you lose this job? Now you can't pay the mortgage and, mortgage and your wife will have even less respect for you. If you hadn't screwed up with that big project the other day, they wouldn't have fired you. And you're 55 already. Who still wants you at your age? And without a job, your son won't be able to go to university. You have screwed everybody's life up, not just your own. And his voice also goes on and on and on. What the voice doesn't say is that the company had to let go of 25% of their employees and that Frank happened to work in a department that they were eliminating. It doesn't remind Frank that he's highly qualified and smart. It doesn't point out that he has never ever in 30 years been laid off anywhere. It doesn't reason that financial solutions can be found. And here's our last scene, scene number four. Kate just got her report card in school. And in all four subjects, she has received lower percentages than last semester. And her voice says, You are just too dumb to do well in school. You always make such stupid mistakes and you get too anxious about exams. You will never make it in life and never get into the university you want to get into. And you are a total failure socially as well. Nobody likes you. And her voice also goes on and on and on. What it doesn't say is that high school is tough and that Kate is always doing her best and her best is good enough. It's also not saying that everybody is anxious about their future and not reminding Kate that she had teachers who are tough markers this semester and that she still did better than most students in her class or classes. So our inner critic is always playing in the background like a radio, 
which we do not even notice anymore. It's constantly assessing and comparing how we are doing. And then there's certain situations that bring on real inner critic attacks, like in my examples. When we're stressed, weak, tired, hungry, in an unfamiliar place or in a new situation, the inner critic might torture us more than usual. But when adverse fortune strikes, like with those four people, when we get bad grades or negative, a negative assessment or we lose our job or an important relationship ends, the inner critic will make sure we feel terrible and at fault. All those are typical moments which make us more susceptible to an inner critic attack. And how do we know that we're having an inner critic attack? Well, usually the first sign is our emotional state. We might feel depressed or irritated or angry at ourselves. And then when we listen a little bit more closely, we can hear those negative defeatist thoughts, which are making us feel not good enough. And originally, the inner critic is the internalized parental voice. And just as our parents had the intention to help us by giving us feedback on where and how we could do better, the inner critic voice also operates on the assumption that it is protecting us. The idea is, if I, the inner critic, criticize you first, you can fix what is wrong and you're safe from outside criticism. The inner critic is generally trying to protect us from embarrassment and shame. But due to that harshness of that inner voice, it causes exactly the feeling of shame and not being good enough that it's trying to protect us from. And have you noticed in any of our examples that the inner critic loves certain buzzwords? Words like mistake, failure, a loser. Or another good one is symptom. If Kate, who in our example has the goal to lose weight, goes for the bowl of, bowl of ice cream in the middle of the night, the inner critic is likely to tell her that she is and always has been a complete failure, that everybody else has no problems losing weight and that her eating is a serious symptom of a sugar addiction or weakness or something really terrible. So the inner critic also loves comparisons. It will say things like, look how thin your sister is, you are such a failure. Or look how comfortable and funny Ben is with everybody. You are so dull and awkward and you will never make friends at university. And what is very important to know is that no matter what you do, the inner critic can never be satisfied. It will always find something to compare you to and it will always find something to criticize. And it will even find complete opposites to criticize. In my written blog that this podcast is based on, I'm sharing about a client who's in his mid-40s and when he came for his sessions, he had just started a new job. And his inner critic was having a field day with him. It's a new situation, right? There's new rules, new processes to learn. And the inner critic was trying to tell him he is too old, too slow, and just plainly not good enough. So one moment his inner critic says, 
your younger colleagues have an advantage. They only had to learn the new processes and not all those old redundant skills which you possess. And then the next moment, the inner critic would turn around and say to him, the colleagues who are 10 years older than you have an advantage because they have more experience than you. So which is it now? That's the question. Is he too old and too slow or too young and inexperienced? The point is the inner critic does not care. It will find something to criticize. So there is only one way to win the game with the inner critic and that is not to play. The inner critic works on two principles. Principle number one is there is a correct way of doing things. The second principle is other people are going to judge you all the time. Aren't those two interesting assumptions? We just need to go to a different culture or time or even a different time period to realize there is no correct way of doing something. Instead, there are many different ways of doing things. Each culture or each time period has its own rules and value systems. The inner critic also works together with other parts that we have, with other primary selves. We have all these different primary personality parts. For example, we have a perfectionist part, a pusher, a pleaser, a rational mind. So the perfectionist, as the word says, likes things to be perfect. The pusher, that we all have, the, our inner pusher, wants us to achieve something. Our pleaser part wants to make others happy. And our rational mind is great at logical thinking, but it mistrusts feeling and intuition. So these are just four parts, just to name a few. Now, each of them operates on certain beliefs. For example, the perfectionist part in us believes that it's not okay for us to make mistakes. And it's also not okay to be satisfied with imperfection. The pusher is relentless and constantly pushes us to be productive and to achieve something. So those are the rules of the pusher. The pleaser is convinced that we won't be loved or we won't be liked or it won't be safe for us or we will experience some other negative consequences if we don't please others. Those are the rules the pleaser uh, works with. The rational mind disregards feelings and intuition and is convinced that it's necessary to understand and dissect and analyze everything. And don't get me wrong, all these personality parts are useful. They serve us in different ways. The danger lies in over-identifying with one or more of them, especially because they work hand-in-hand -hand with our inner critic. And none of these four personality parts that I just explained a bit support relaxation or trusting and going with the flow or being gentle and loving with ourselves or meeting our own needs. They don't support that at all. And the inner critic is their policeman, the cop of the system, 
The inner critic enforces these rules that our primary personality parts are connected to. Like you can't make a mistake or you have to make other people happy. And these rules are beliefs on the level of the subconscious mind. And in order to achieve some separation from the merciless inner critic voice, which completely paralyzes us and pulls us into depression, we need to change those beliefs which are not supportive for us. And because these beliefs are held in the subconscious mind, and it's hard, if not impossible, to change them at a conscious level just through willpower. That's why affirmations only have limited success. So because they're held at a subconscious level, belief change processes offer a way into that subconscious mind to achieve faster and a more permanent separation from our primary parts and our inner critic. And why would we want separation from that critical inner voice? One reason, of course, is that the inner critic, as I mentioned earlier, paralyzes us and makes us feel not good enough. Another reason is when we have a strong inner critic, it's quite easy for other people to manage us. Consider that when our inner critic is strong, we just need that one look or that raised eyebrow and our inner critic kicks in immediately oh, I must have said or done something wrong. He or she is not happy with me. I better make sure he or she is pleased with me again. And without being aware of it, we are giving our entire power away to others. So I bet you're wondering now, how does one tame the inner critic and get that voice to shut up? First of all, we have to learn to recognize when the inner critic shows up. Because the inner critic is not you, it's a part in you. And the inner critic is invisible and often even inaudible. And we can make it audible and visible by sharing out loud with our loved ones what the inner critic is saying. Of course, be careful who you pick. You want to pick someone that you can really trust. Another way of making it visible, that voice and audible, is journaling. And you could even, if you want, use a different color when the inner critic voice shows up. But you want to be able to call it out as you, as you see it black and white. The next step to get separation is to examine the basic rules the inner critic adheres to and makes a crime of. Because it works hand in hand with our other personality parts. So the more separation we're getting from our primary selves by changing the beliefs they operate on, the less fuel the inner critic has. And finally, to achieve even further separation, we can get in touch with the energies the inner critic tells us we should disown because they're bad, they're wrong. And those energies or traits are called our shadows. So let me give you an example to explain what I mean. If I, for example, have a strong pleaser part in me, what is likely to be in my shadow is assertiveness or selfishness. Yet assertiveness and being able to take care of my own needs, that's essentially selfishness, are important traits to be in touch with. Or another example, if I'm a type A personality with a strong inner pusher who likes to make things happen and who likes to be in control, the opposite energy of that controlling, pushing, making things happen, being productive energy 
is surrendering, going with the flow, being in the moment, allowing things to unfold, relaxing, and so on. Those kind of energies or traits might be in my shadow. I might have disowned those. But all those are also necessary ways of being or useful ways of being. Because no energy is bad. All traits have a purpose and are useful for us. So when we integrate those shadows, by doing shadow work, we achieve greater balance, inner harmony, self-acceptance and self-love. And the more self-love we have and self-acceptance, the less power and fuel has the inner critic. Underneath the inner critic is anxiety and fear that we need protection to be safe. And what heals all fear? Love. So we need to become an inner parent to our vulnerable part inside, which we also call our inner child. And we need to bring a loving, supportive voice up to balance out the inner critic. So if the inner critic says, you are just not good enough, the loving parent voice can reply, no, you are perfect the way you are. You're beautiful, you're smart, you're lovable in every way. And last but not least, the most obvious criteria of separation from the inner critic is humor. And that's often also the hardest to arrive at. But when we hear the voice of this inner critic and we can respond with humor, making fun of it in a way, laughing at ourselves, we are on the way to true separation from the inner critic. So, this brings our podcast and our topic for today to an end. If you're enjoying my articles, you can subscribe to receive an email notification when I post a new blog in writing. And from November 2017 onwards, there will also be an audio blog. All you need to do is to enter your email address in the field on the left side of the bar on my website. And I thank you very much for your support. And if you want to learn more about your inner critic and embark on the journey of separation, you have two options. You can contact me, Angelica, for individual sessions. Uh, my email is greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca or my phone number is 905-286-9466. Or you could look into workshops and you could sign up for the next inner critic workshop which I run ever so often, of the next four-day shadow energetics training in which we also work on, on the inner critic. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you join me again for my next podcasts. Have a fabulous day.